three of Business Aviation's most noted analysts offer their thoughts about what our industry's rebound from COVID-19 will look like. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. In our last episode, NBAA held a journalist roundtable to explore our industry's COVID-19 moment, how it compares to past downturns, and what the future, hopefully a brighter one, might look like. Today, I'm pleased to welcome three respected industry analysts to also consider those questions. They are Richard Coe, Managing Director for Charter Intelligence Firm WingX. Analyst Brian Foley, founder of strategic research firm Brian Foley and Associates, and JetNet IQ founder Roland Vincent. Gentlemen, you've all closely tracked industry developments throughout this crisis. Before we delve into specifics, I'd like to ask each of you, starting with Brian, are we seeing signs of an imminent recovery for business aviation? Well, I don't know if it's a short answer, but it depends. It depends on the segment we're talking about. But if we're talking about uh, charter or, or you know people starting to fly part one, uh, part one thirty five, part ninety one again, I think uh, we are starting to see some evidence of that. Richard, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, business aviation aircraft activity has taken such a hammering, and you know we're 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 looking at sort of fifty percent below normal at the moment, which is an improvement on. 70% below normal in April, it's still looking pretty ugly. And Roly, are you seeing signs of recovery in our industry? Yeah, I think we're going to see it, first of all, as Brian said, in the charter world. People are definitely interested in business aviation. Uh, maybe they've dabbled in it before or they are at least aware of it. Uh, the industry has a pretty positive uh, image going into this uh, recession uh, compared to the last time. So I think uh, you know people are going to experiment with it this time. Rolly, you recently noted that demand for business aviation will most certainly increase in the future. What factors do you believe will help drive our industry's rebound in this crisis? Well, people need to move, and there's no better way to move than in a private aircraft. There's no question. I think the industry has gone through a period of uh, slow but steady recovery over the last 10 years. We're not at a we don't have inflated uh, residual values. We're at a point of uh, pretty balanced uh, supply demand got coming into all of this. So a lot of fundamentals are in much better shape. And I think uh, as people consider their, their whether it's their private travel options or, or the way they organize their supply chains going forward, I think business aviation has a lot of advantages that uh, will be discovered. Brian, you recently stated that not only are we seeing reduced operations from large cabin intercontinental business aircraft right now, but that sales of such aircraft have also dropped precipitously in recent weeks. What might that portend for our industry going forward in regard to international travel? That's driven principally by these requirements for quarantine when you arrive at some of these countries. And until those are gone and people feel safer reintegrating with society when they get somewhere, um, we'll, we'll continue to see um, you know, some slow activity in that area. Um, as far as sales of big jets, it, it might be helpful to kind of contrast um, when they were hot in, in the mid-2000s, 2006, 2007. Um, what really drove that was, I, I'd argue, supply and demand. You, you couldn't find enough uh, big cabin aircraft to supply these emerging markets that were going crazy with stock markets, and personal portfolios, and you know, oil was pretty pricey. Um, there was just lots of good things. The, the, the dollar was weak, so you could, uh, you know, get a pretty good deal on these things. And as such, uh, with, with the shortage, you had some buyers that were paying a premium just to buy someone else's spot, you know, multi-million dollar premium. Fast forward to today, and the situation is quite different. And we see, 
some both subjective and objective evidence of that. Um, you know, first, these emerging markets that were going crazy before aren't uh, doing so great right now. Their stock markets, they're, uh, you know, being down, the geopolitical instability, um, a dive in natural resource prices. Um, and even, even look at China, you know, once upon a time, that was the fastest growing jet market on the planet, I'd say. And today, because of their economy, because of the um, government's poor look on being ostentatious, uh, that, that's taken a toll as well. And the, the fleet is actually contracted uh, in that area. Um, also today, the dollar is pretty strong. So if you're overseas looking at a you know, $50, $80 million airplane, um, that gets inflated pretty fast in your own, uh, in your own currency. And lastly, um, you know, oil prices, you think that uh, be, being so cheap today, you think that would be great for big cabin jets because they can use a lot of fuel. But in fact, many of the owners of these big jets are involved in the oil industry somehow. In fact, up, upwards of one in five big jets are sold to someone in an oil region or involved with that. Um, so they've, they've pulled back um, as well. But as far as, uh, you know, hard evidence of this slowing down, um, you know, you take a look at the Amstat figures that track um, transactions of planes. Back in the day, they used to account to pre-owned sales. Um, big cabins accounted for one in four. Um, today, they're down to about one in five. And um, last point I'd say is Gamma, the, the folks that uh, provide the delivery information and actually break it down by, uh, you know, cabin size. You're able to see that uh, back in 2013, about half of all new deliveries were big cabin jets. And last year is about a third. So it's all uh, showing up in the sales and delivery figures as well for both new and used airplanes. Richard, as you mentioned earlier, a recent WingX advance report stated that global business aviation activity has dropped to at least half normal levels compared to 2019. That said, we did see traffic numbers start to climb for May, and you also emphasize the next phase of recovery will be the return of international traffic. When do you see that demand returning, and what's needed to drive that rebound? Yeah, let me review a couple of points there. I mean, the first thing is that we have seen some good signs from business aviation. In, in the initial phase of the, the pandemic, we saw the utility of business aviation when airlines started locking up. Um, we've seen that business aviation uh, average uh, activity over a seven-day period has 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 come up on a global basis from a little under four thousand, a little a little under um, four thousand sectors to, to to over double that at the at the recent at the most recent date. So there's definitely a momentum upwards. In fact, business aviation as a share of all fixed wing activity has gone from about twenty percent to forty percent. So uh, you know, business aviation is really kind of stepping up. In terms of what happens next, as as you as you allude, I mean, the, the international traffic has has really um, been been reduced most acutely, and you know, the airlines think that um, that their projection is that. Uh, over Q2, we'll start to see domestic markets open up over Q3 international, and it'll be Q4 that you'll start to see intercontinental. Um, but they're going to hit this sort of quarantine issue, as is business aviation. And, and that, that's a key factor, because if, you know, in certain key markets like the UK, there is this two-week quarantine period, that's really going to kind of stunt the potential for uh, a pickup in, uh, in in traffic uh, through the summer, BizAv included. So I, I would say that that's a big barrier. Um, but you know, lots of other lockdown measures are being um, relaxed. 
we we are seeing some you know mixed but quite positive signals in terms of the uh, you know in terms of the containment of the virus and falling infections, and I think that that will see a sort of pent up surge in in travel demand and where the airline connectivity just can't manage that right now. Uh, I, I do see Bizav will 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 see some pickup, not not recovering its uh, trend pre crisis, but certainly some pickup over the next two or three months. So, Richard, what hurdles remain, in your view, to seeing our industry recover from this crisis, and what factors may conspire to delay or upset that recovery? I think the most interesting one for me is customer behavior. What happens to customer behavior in the uh, in, in the wake of this crisis? Um, you know, b- between between those that uh, you know, certainly people are talking about corporate travel overall. Uh, being diminished because a lot of people feel feel safer and and just as efficient working remotely, and uh, and that's that's going to be a real um, that's going to be a real constraint for the airlines. I don't think that's going to apply so much in business aviation because it, it's really in the business aviation world that that deals get done, that transactions get get evaluated uh, in a way that can't be uh, that, that can't be addressed remotely or online so i think that a lot of companies that have that have you know got some liquidity will see a window of opportunity where asset prices are, are you know sort of relatively depressed and their competitors may be distracted and uh, and this will be a chance to, to to really you know see if they get those deals done so i th- i think that that you know that that customer behavior question is it, if if there's enough and i particularly see this happening in the us of, of those companies that just see this as a kind of window of opportunity we might be seeing uh, uh, through that behavior notwithstanding some other sort of breaks and constraints we may be seeing a, a quite an, quite an important impulse for, for business aviation brian what are your thoughts it depends again on the the segment you know the industry is pretty diverse um, you know, the, the, the first hurdles are going to be those that sort of fall by the wayside. Those companies that uh, were over leveraged um, going into this, had too much debt, uh, maybe can't find additional sources because of that. And slowly, one by one, you're starting to you know, read in the press, you know, one or two that are you know, reorganizing or, or doing something to fix that. Um, I'd say by and large, the others have uh, had time now to re- recoup and get organized and and maybe take on some more debt, unfortunately, to get through this, uh, to come out on the other side. You know, if you're talking about manufacturers, how they're doing going forward, um, I think, you know, you're going to see a 25 to 30% reduction in deliveries um, by the the sheer reason that most of those plants were closed for a quarter of the year. So therefore, you know, deliveries will be down by a, a similar amount. Um, for them to get going again, they'll have to get the supply chain uh, whipped up again. Some of which have been damaged by the uh, the, the airline carnage and the you know Boeing stopping some production. So that that's going to be an issue for them. Char- Charter will uh, keep charging on. I, I see better things for them going forward if they can control their pricing and the race to the the bottom that we always seem to hear about. Um, there's certainly some more capacity in Charter, so they're ideally positioned. And I hope to see a, a little pop as uh, restrictions are lifted, at least domestically for them. And maybe even, you know, by this fall, you know, a little more business use than personal. So I think it'll be a, a constant trend up. Um, it won't be a rocket ship to the top, but it'll be a, a move in the right direction. 
Um, FBOs are almost entirely dependent on business jet utilization. So the more those charter 91 and 135 flights go, uh, so goes their business. Um, MRO, I'd imagine, kind of got a nice spurt at the beginning of this thing as uh, people parked their planes to have the maintenance done while they weren't using them. The story remains to be told, though, that once these airplanes come out, you know, that business is also like FBO is driven by utilization. You know, the more you use your airplane, the more it needs some maintenance. So it could be a, a soft patch for them after this gets flying again. But th- those are some of the principal segments and how, how it could go going forward. Raleigh? Well, I, I agree with Brian in terms of uh, you have to look at it by segment. But let's start with the manufacturers. The, they're the big boys in the, in the park in a sense. Um, they're staring at, obviously, a skyline, their production skylines where they've had openings that they didn't expect. At the beginning of the year, some of the OEMs went into this year pretty much sold out. Others uh, had quite a few gaps in that skyline. Think of it as production slots as they come along uh, on a monthly basis and are they sold or not. So in Q1, uh, Textron was the first uh, of the OEMs to say, hey, wait. And uh, they had received notice, of course, from NetJets uh, regarding the fractional cancellations or deferrals, however they want to describe them. And of course, the, you know, the first to announce the furloughs and then Bombardier and then Embraer. And then frankly, I think all of the OEMs have now been impacted and their supply chains. So, you know, coming out of that, uh, you know, everyone expects this big hit this year and we're at the dark, dark point of the, of the situation right now in Q2. So uh, assuming some sort of recovery, we're obviously all depended on a medical discovery, not nothing to do with aerospace, but a, a virus a, a solution, if you like. Uh, that's who knows, who knows when that's coming. They say 18 months, 24 months, nobody knows. That really governs everything. So beyond uh, that, because uh, we, ex- we can't forecast that, um, how does this work? You know, coming out of the, uh, the crisis, are, are companies going to begin to procure again? Are they going to get back on that? path they were on? Or are they going to change? Are they going to look at, um, you know, different size of aircraft or is range going to change? I mean, I would think that uh, pulling in global supply chains, maybe more to, you know, European centric or North American centric, for example, that may pull down the requirements for those super long range aircraft. Uh, to some extent, I think that's probably going to happen. On the other hand, you've got at the light end uh, once people start to experiencing experience these aircraft, it could well be that they, they find it too small. We, we should expect that to go up by at least a, a passenger or two on average, and that's, that's going to be a significant change. Are they going to be happy with a small cabin? You put four, five, six people in a small cabin. I think they're going to be looking at uh, moving up from that into the middle of the market. So we're pretty optimistic about that so-called middle of the market um, where you've got tensions uh, related to the, the actual space of these small jets, causing people to want a little bit more. Roly, there's been a lot of discussion and apprehension about the possibility of a second wave of the coronavirus hitting later this year. That would certainly be bad news across the board. Yeah, I mean, clearly, that's probably the biggest risk that we, not just our, our industry, we can get hyper-focused on our industry. We're a pretty small player in the grand scheme of things. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that has to be the, the biggest threat. Here in the U.S., where we're sitting this morning, you start to see a lot of relaxation of uh, social distancing. And, and frankly, I think a lot of people just not taking this very seriously, wanting to get back to, to the way things were. Well, that world has gone. And uh, I think the way things were is just something we'll read about. I think there's a real danger of, of another wave of infections. And 
already uh, you know businesses that are reeling from this uh, that that depend on people being face to face or serving them face to face. I think that's going to be very tragic. Uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. And obviously, everything depends on the medical side of things, and we have no control over that. And like I said, we're a small business, so in the grand scheme of things, let's let's hope that doesn't happen. I think businesses though are preparing and have prepared for this uh, current new world. If things do open up, business aviation should be first uh, on the scene to provide uh, services. And, uh, you know, I think that there are some things to look forward to. Richard, what do you think? If the virus has a serious second wave, I think it would be pretty disastrous. It would be uh, extremely demoralizing for, um, you know, even, even at the levels of kind of, you know, social solidarity, let alone the, the you know, the impulse for, for, for traveling or not traveling. That said, I, I would say... That, that perhaps you know there's in terms of likelihood that the focus should be more on the second economic wave because i think that 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 is that is probably in, in our estimation the more the, the more likely scenario is that, that in, in four or five months there is a, an economic wave that hits a, a, an industry that's already as, as brian really was describing you know the fbo level for example quite quite a lot of small companies same with operators, and, and they're likely to go out of business as that second economic wave comes in. Brian, how do you think our industry will respond to this level of uncertainty in the months ahead? If it's not too early to jump to a conclusion, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, business aviation has a bright future um, in, in part because of this. And that's not to say we won't be able to build airplanes fast enough. There'll be so much demand um, and, you know, that the, the char- charter bookings will be full for the next six months. But Rather, um, the, the pandemic just gave a, a new reason, a new justification uh, to buy a business jet or use private travel um, to keep away from the crowds. And that wasn't really an argument that we had before. Our principal arguments had been time savings, and that doesn't go away. It was to avoid the airport airline experience. So I think um, this, this will help um, keep the industry um, you know, up, up, up above water in, in you know, maybe may a little stronger going forward during the next downturn with this increased demand. Um, one thing we've seen notionally, and I, I wrote a little article on it, but interestingly, um, those with used air, I'm sorry, those that own airplanes already um, aren't running for the exits and putting for sale signs on them. Um, they're, they're, they're keeping them um, as long as they have the cash flow to, you know, keep them on board. They really don't want to get rid of them. We, we just saw a little, little blip, really, you know, a half percentage point of uh, pre-owned airplanes coming on the market in the last, you know, nine weeks. So it's definitely not the run on the banks like we saw in 07, 08, when almost one in five planes were for sale all of a sudden after being one in 10. Um, so that, that I, I think that kind of foretells that uh, people value private transportation. Richard, what are your final thoughts? I'm as positive generally as as, as my two colleagues here. I, 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 you know, just nuance that by saying that I think the next 12 months is going to be about hanging in there, and and, and that's going to you know impose quite a lot of pressures on on smaller operations in, in the supply chain. But I think that beyond that, we may be seeing you know business aviation uh, able to disrupt and and innovate. Uh, in a way that it hasn't before, and, and as I said at the beginning, you know, if business aviation is is taking its share from sort of twenty to thirty or forty percent of all operations, you know, wh- why shouldn't it take a bigger share in the long run and become, uh, you know, a, a, a much more widely addressed service? And Rolly, 
let's just say that uh, times of crisis are times of innovation and disruption. I think Richard said it well. The We're looking at this as a sort of a, a real opportunity for business leaders to say, look, this is the time. Now is the time. Others are, are, are huddled down in their bunkers and, you know, watching all, all, all uh, metrics that have gone red. Um, this is actually a, a very interesting time. It's a time to create businesses and to create business models. Um, and we're looking forward to that. I think we, we need to find as an industry a way to fly our airplanes, you know, five or 10 times more than they're being flown, uh, like an airliner should be and could be flown. So there are things to do, uh, make our assets more uh, productive. And, uh, you know, if you're investing millions of dollars, well, the air- aircraft should probably be worked harder than they're working. So uh, we look forward to those days. You can find Rolly's latest reports on the state of our industry at www.jetnet.com. You can find Richard's insights at www.wingx-advance.com. And Brian's market intelligence reports can be found at his website, www.brifo.com. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts and the App Store wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.